Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Chapter 5. Blood Type. I made my way to English in a daze. I didn't even realize when I first walked in that class had already started. Thank you for joining us, Miss Swan, Mr. Mason said in a disparaging tone. I flushed and hurried to my seat. I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And I'm Julia Argy. And this is Hot and Bothered, Twilight in Quarantine. Okay, Juliet, let's remind everybody what happens in this so, so weird chapter. This chapter is so weird. I am so glad you're going first because I have forgotten, even though I read it last night. Can I count you in? Count me in. Three, two, one, go. So um, Bella is like so excited that Edward is paying attention to her. And then she goes to biology class and Edward is like, I'm going to skip class. Oh, they like have lunch together and it's a huge deal. And he's like, I'm going to skip. And then it turns out that it's blood test type day and Bella gets really faint. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm going to die from the sight or smell of blood. And then she goes to the nurse's office and Edward carries her. And then he insists on driving her home against her will. And he drives her truck back for her. Beautiful. Moving. No, I could have done better. It's okay. This just makes it easier for me to beat you. I, I didn't believe in myself enough. I'm sure that was the problem. I didn't believe in myself the way that Bella believes in Edward. Okay. Are you ready to go? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so ready. On your mark, get set, go. She goes to school. Edward is sitting alone away from his family and he winks at her to come over and she listens and does. And then they have this really weird lunch where he says a bunch of cryptic things. And instead of being like, you're weird, bye, she's really into it. She goes to biology class. It's blood type day. Edward says he's not going because he thinks truancy is cool. And then um, she starts to get lightheaded. Mike escorts her out. And then he Mike doesn't want to carry her, but Edward does. And then um, he drives her home. Yeah, you did a much better job. I missed the abduction scene. So, Julia, I'm a little worried about something. I'm worried that in our, like, mocking relationship with this book, that we're starting to sound like the kind of people we hate who mock romance novels. I mean, every time I sit down to read it, I'm excited to see what is in store for us. So I definitely don't hate it. Yeah, me too. 
And so we were thinking offline that it might be worth creating a segment to like capture that actual joy. I do think that these books are really problematic, but that doesn't make them less awesome and fun to read just because they're highly problematic. And I don't think that that has been coming across at all. So I thought that we could add a new segment where our love for these books is not like sandwiched by like mockery, but is just straight up us saying this is awesome. Great. Let's do it. Do you want to start or do you want me to? Sure. I actually have two and I couldn't pick. Hit me with it. So first of all, I love the fantasy of having a boyfriend who can read everybody's thoughts. I think that having a boyfriend who could read other people's thoughts would be so much more fun than being able to read them. Like, I don't want to know what certain people think about me. Or like, I just don't care to hear certain people's thoughts. Like, they might be boring. So having this like selective access to somebody who can read someone's thoughts, which we see in this chapter, Edward is like, your boyfriend Mike is mad at me. That was a moment where I was like, oh my God, I would totally date Edward Cullen. I was coming from that same idea from a different perspective. I was thinking of myself as like one of the lay people in the school and imagining what it would be like for someone to read my thoughts as I like excessively daydream during class. Like I just felt bad for Edward. I was like, oh my God, he has to be like riveted by the plot turns of my like elaborate storytelling during math class. Like that is a bad gig. Maybe that's why he's so evil. (laughs) And then the other moment that I really loved is when he was like, I'll drive you home and I'll make sure your car gets delivered. I just really hate gestures that people think are thoughtful, but they actually make my life harder, right? And I feel like that happens a lot where someone's like, no, no, I want to do this nice thing for you. And then they like send you food that you like don't want to eat. There are annoying things that people do as thoughtful gestures. And Edward drives her home and then is like, but don't worry, I will make sure that your car gets brought to you. And I just think all nice gestures should be that thoughtful. I'm so glad you found joy in that moment. I wouldn't consider it him driving her home as he abducts her. Totally. I understand what you're saying. But he's thoughtful (laughs) about the repercussions of his abduction. Mm -hmm. What a catch. Julia, what was the moment that you were like, ugh, these books? So Bella and Edward are eating lunch and Edward convinces Bella to tell him one of her theories about how he saved her from the car crash. And she guesses that he's Spider-Man, which was incredibly relatable to me as someone who knows nothing about superheroes or superhero movies. And the idea that you could see someone who has like a weird, hot cult family and like acts bizarrely and be like, oh, probably Spider-Man just shows such like a relatable amount of ignorance towards a part of the world that I also don't know anything about. I really identified with her. Except that you obviously know more about Spider-Man than she does to know that that is a laughably little amount to know about Spider-Man. I mean, I know he was bit by a spider, which is what she says, and that he can shoot webs from his fingers. But beyond that, I don't know anything else. And it seems she does not either. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but we can't pretend that these books are perfect as lovable as they are. So what advice would you like to give to Ms. Meyer today? So Bella is talking to Edward about how she faints around blood. 
And she says it's because of the smell. And then Edward says, people can't smell blood, which just isn't true. And I wondered what you thought about that. Maybe he's been a non-people for so long that he's forgotten what regular people's relationship to blood is. Like, I get really surprised when a non-Jew knows anything about Judaism. And I'm like, how do you know that? And so maybe that's what being a vampire is like for Edward. Edward is like, how do you know blood has a smell? Only vampires know that. And Bella's like, no, everyone knows that. Edward is just old as hell. Yeah, he's just been a vampire forever. He's forgotten. Yeah. Is there any advice that you had or questions you had? Yeah, I'm very confused by Ms. Meyer's use of the word whoops. Bella's allowed to ask Edward a question, and then he clearly doesn't like the question that Bella asks. And so Bella says internally, whoops. And I don't know why it would be whoops. Bella enjoys asking him questions that he doesn't want to answer. She's been given permission to ask the question. She seems to like making him uncomfortable. I actually think she means ooh, not whoops. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, that seemed to upset him. And I don't think ooh and whoops are interchangeable. Whoops is what you say to a falling baby. <laughs> like what? A falling Bella. <laughs> like as Bella trips around the world, everyone's just like, whoops, whoops, whoops. Whoopsie, Bella. Maybe she hears it so much as she falls everywhere that she just like thinks that that's something you say when something unexpected happens. <laughs> like those dogs who think that their name is no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Bella just thinks that people walk around saying whoops all the time. <laughs> well, solved it. Okay. Yep. Check and check. <laughs> Stephanie Meyer, the most thoroughly developed characters in the history of literature. 1 size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So we've given our Stephanie Meyer advice. Julia, what advice do you have to offer to a character? What are you going to save a character from? So Edward really bothered me in this chapter. I'm going to start at the surface level when they are eating lunch. And the wink to lure her to the table really bothered me just on a basic level. Like, I don't think people really should be winking or responding to winking except in a completely farcical way. If someone seriously winks at you in a seductive or alluring way, like it has to end. And then he says a bunch of cryptic things and just is so entertained with himself. And one of the lines that he thinks is so like charming, let me get the book because it's so bad. After the amazing Spider-Man comment, he says, what if I'm not a superhero? What if I'm the bad guy? He smiled playfully, but his eyes were impenetrable. 
he's so unbearably annoying. Like, I cannot stand him. So what's your advice? Be less annoying? Stop it. Please. For the love of God, please stop. I need your advice to be more specific. You're not setting up Edward for success here. Stop making cryptic comments that you think are funny that are not funny. (laughs) Run all cryptic comments through a writer's room. Yeah. He needs to, like, get workshopped. (laughs) Like, imagine if someone said that to you. Some, imagine if someone was speaking to you like that. Would you not lose your mind? Yeah, I would. I'm not 17. I do sort of think when I was 17, I would have found this, like, interesting enough that it was hot. Like, I would have found Mike boring and Tyler boring. And so, like, at least Edward is interesting. As a grown person, if someone talked to me like that, I would throw up on them. but I can imagine finding this attractive at 17. I really can. And feel free to judge me for it, but I can. I just can't believe you would say that you wouldn't find Tyler interesting after he almost killed you. I feel like if someone, like if there was some kind of like remarkable incident with me at 17, almost getting to like a life-threatening car accident, I would be like, ooh, star-crossed lovers. It's not me and Edward, it's me and Tyler. (laughs) You got into a horrible car accident when you were a teenager. Oh yeah, the day of prom. Did you fall in love with the person? It was a couple and I don't think at the age of 17, I was ready to join a threesome. Okay. Maybe now, who knows? (laughs) So my two pieces of advice today are going to be on theme. At one point, Bella literally says, let go. And Edward doesn't. And I would just say that unless you're like teaching a three-year-old to ride a bike in a busy street, if somebody says, let go, let go. It is like one of those requests slash commands that to me is like not optional. Mm -hmm. Like if a three-year-old and I were crossing a street and I was holding its hand and it was like, let go, I'd be like, no. But like short of that, I really do believe if someone says let go, you like run to the other side of the room to show how much you want to let go. So that is my advice to Edward is when Bella says things like let go to let go. Yeah, my advice was going to be when he says, if you run away, I'll just come get you and drag you back. I was like, oh, what? (laughs) He literally drags her into a car and says, if you run, I'll just come get you. Yeah, he's treating her like a child. I don't know. This also just like calls into question their whole relationship because he is like 120, right? Yeah. And so I feel like it probably is frustrating with him to, like, deal with the 17-year-old. She probably shouldn't be driving home, like, half an hour after she fainted. Like, that probably Mm -hmm. is dangerous. Mm -hmm. He thinks he's the adult holding the three-year-old's hand across the street. But you can't be in a romantic relationship that's based around a dynamic like that. So it's, like, one or the other. He either has to not abduct her or not date her. Imagine the blissful world where he neither abducts her nor dates her. Wow. Why not both? Yeah, it does make me wonder what is attractive about that. Like, part of me gets it, right? Like, part of me gets that there's something comforting about someone knowing better than you. So, like, you can't mess up. We all know that there are, like, all of these taxes on women of all of the extra labor that they have to do to walk through the world. So I do think that there's something 
really fantasy oriented about somebody who just takes over some of the labor of your life, that there is someone who literally does know better, not that they think they know better, but that they do because they're actually 120 years old and immortal. But I still, it is like so hard to watch it unfold. You're, you look horrified by what I just said. If someone tried to tell me what to do as much as Edward tries to tell Bella what to do, it would be over so fast. I'd be like, Title IX, get him away. I love that you were suddenly in college with this person. The <laughs> Title IX was involved. Yeah. Well, I think once they institute the dating penalty box at Forks High School, that there will be like a Title IX system that I'd be able to turn to. Okay. My second piece of advice, which I feel like is really on brand for this whole episode, is for the biology teacher. The word that is used in the text is grab. He grabs Mike's hand and pricks it to do the blood test. And so I think that maybe Edward is actually a victim here and that he is like very good at reimmersing himself into a town when he starts fresh and then like culturally follows the lead of the elders in that town. And what he has seen from the biology teacher is that you can just grab people and stab them. In which case he's like, sure, I can abduct Bella. I don't have to let go when she says let go. Like, it's just so wild to me that a teacher grabs someone's hand and pricks them with a needle. Like, that is wow. evil witch in Sleeping Beauty level of actions. This is, like, bad. I have a really good idea. Okay, the biology teacher is a vampire hunter. He knows there are vampires in the town of Forks, and he's out to find them. He thinks wrongly Mike is the vampire and grabs his hand and tries to stab him in class to prove or disprove his theory. Do vampires not have blood? Is that one of the things? I think they don't have blood and then you can't stab them because their skin is made of hard marble. Huh. So he'd like stab him and it'd be like, clink, clink, and it just bounce off. Wow. So he was hoping for a very public confrontation. Yeah. Isn't there like a Van Helsing movie that like kills vampires? It's like that. Got it. Okay, well, he's a failed one because he picks the wrong mark. I This just seems like really bad mentoring. And like he's a teacher who doesn't realize that your responsibility isn't simply to teach your subject, but it's also to be a mentor and a leader in how you treat people. And this teacher like did not get the memo that that is part of his job. And it's just a really bad teacher. So my advice is to that teacher, don't grab your students and stab them. So you're saying mentors shouldn't stab their mentees. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Uh, never heard that one. <laughs> so, Julia, we always like to end this by sending Bella a little gift. What would you like to put in her care package this week? So as you could tell, I felt really distressed about her future. And so I have like a few ideas of what I want to send. So the first is a plane ticket out of Forks, either back to Renee like maybe Hawaii, like a nice tropical vacation, just like anywhere, hot, warm, dry beach, just away from Edward. Flat, so she's not falling. <laughs> My second idea was a wooden stake to stab Edward through the heart. Like if, if he tries to kidnap her again, like I think that could work. And then generally like a garlic subscription 
so that she can like constantly apply it to her body to repel him away from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a perfume delivery system, but garlic. Yeah. If there are like one of those out there, I'm happy to sponsor them on the podcast. I would like to send her, ironically, some sort of like phlebotomy order. I think she needs to get tested for anemia because she seems to faint so frequently that she knows that it makes her tired um, when she faints. And I think that if a 17-year-old otherwise presenting healthy person faints regularly, fainting is really dangerous. You can hit your head. What if you faint while driving? I'm not sure what medical orders are necessary, but I think that we need to investigate this. So I really would like to send her to a doctor. I thought the phlebotomy order was actually really mean. I thought you were going to be like, so she can get used to being afraid of blood. <laughs> As immersion therapy? Yeah. I was like, that's a bad thing for that. <laughs> no. But like, don't you think she might be anemic? I do worry for her. Poor girl. Yeah. Um, what do you think is going to happen next chapter? What a good question. I hope that Charlie goes and confronts Edward for kidnapping his daughter. I hope she's like, do you know what? Having a police chief dad has some upsides. He can go put the fear of God in an unwanted suitor or a wanted suitor who's misbehaving. And she mm -hmm. sicks Charlie on Edward and there's like a big confrontation. Maybe like get Carlisle involved. He seems like a good dad. I know. I like Carlisle. Dad intervention. This has been Twilight in Quarantine, a Title IX training from Hot and Bothered. This episode and all episodes are executive produced by Ariana Nettleman and produced by Ariana Martinez. This show was conceived as a vampire baby by me, Julia Argy, and Vanessa Zoltan talked to me about it. We are production of Not Sorry Productions and are distributed by ACAST. Bye! <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everybody. I'm dropping into your feed to let you know that starting June 23rd, you are invited to a class called Discovering Your Own Patron Saints, a guided workshop with Natalie Folkerts. In this six-session class, you will explore beloved characters from literature who have jumped off the page and made their way into the moral fabric of your life. The first week of this class, you're going to explore what we mean by patron saints, and then each subsequent week will be devoted to a different value, wonder, imagination, grief, and courage. If you are seeking spiritual guidance outside of the constraints of formal religion, if you are someone who finishes a novel and feels like you have said goodbye to new friends, then this class is for you. Register before the first class on June 23rd by going to notsorryworks.com. That's N-O-T-S-O-R-R-Y-W-O-R-K-S dot com.